Untitled AFC North podcast, Ian Cartwright. It's been a while. A lot of stuff has happened, and we are a little bit behind the ball with our self-imposed NFL draft preview schedule. Yeah, um, a lot of ha- lot a lot has happened in this past two weeks uh, with free agency and everything else moving around. Um, tons of NFL news, bomb after bomb after bomb. It felt like um, we wanted to record, but it just seemed like we were going to miss something else. Like we would just, we would talk about something and then something else would drop and it would kind of just change everything that we were talking about. So we wanted to wait a little while to, to let everything kind of fall into place, but um, there's still a lot out there. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner and uh, Odell and Tyron Matthew are still all free agents. So a lot can change, but uh, a, the big majority of what we thought would happen uh, has, has already happened. So now we can kind of dive into um, some of the draft previews and look at where these teams are at and they're kind of their plan for the future. So um, we wanted to start off with Cincinnati talking about the Bengals. Um, they had a pretty solid free agency. Uh, their splash signings were all offensive linemen. And um, our big question surrounding Cincinnati is, is it as simple as just reinforcing the offensive line? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I guess it kind of, depends really like I feel like we the last time we saw this team in the Super Bowl clearly the offensive line was the glaring issue and so everybody watching at home was like oh well they'll fix the offensive line and they'll just be right back in it and we know that the AFC North is a very competitive division we know that the AFC is very competitive And so I feel like the offensive line is kind of the easy answer. And we have to kind of look a little deeper here and figure out, okay, even if they fix the offensive line, what other holes are going to come apparent for this team in their quest to, you know, get back to the playoffs and get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Emerge. And I I do think this is a great question to ask because as a Bengals fan myself, like, I heard this question way too much like about the offensive line and like the issues surrounding the Bengals and is it the offensive line? That was, that was where all the conversation from the media, from the outside uh, voices were coming straight towards the offensive line. And I really don't think it's that simple. Um, The Bengals got to the Super Bowl with like the worst offensive line, but you know, there's 22 people that are starting on an NFL team and it's not just one position group that can change everything. Um, So looking towards this Bengals team, you kind of have to look towards the future because with all these stacked AFC teams, uh, it's going to be about a build towards the future. A lot of these teams are trying to win now, but only, you know, one team can make it to the Super Bowl. Um, So looking down the line, I think a big issue that the Bengals might have in the future is going to be in their secondary. Um, They fixed a lot of the offensive line problems, but one of the big things that I wanted the Bengals to do in the offseason was secure Jesse Bates for the future. Uh, and they weren't able to do that. They ended up franchise tagging him. And this likely means that Jesse Bates is going to be leaving the Bengals um, because I don't think they can, I don't, I just don't think they can pay him the money that he deserves. Um, and so Jesse Bates leaving kind of leaves a hole in the safety room. Uh, and, 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 you know, you can't, you can't forget that, you know, Von Bell is going to be on his last year of his contract too. So you might have two of your starting safeties out the door, um, you know, and Von Bell is getting older as well. So that position in itself needs to be retooled, whether that's going to be in the draft or in free agency down the line. Um, they're going to be having to look towards there. And then I think as a secondary group as a whole, you kind of have to look at the cornerback room because just starting with Chidobe Awuzie, 
Uh, he played great for the Bengals this past year. You know, a lot of people would say that he was a top five corner, top 10 corner in just terms of like the way he played this past season. But this was his best season that he's had so far. It's not you can't just pencil it in that he's going to play that way every year and just bank on him being your cornerback one. Um, we can right. do that right now. But in terms of the future, like he's not set in stone forever. Um, and outside of him the room gets really fuzzy really quick because Mike Hilton's getting up there in age and he's just a slot cornerback. And then on the other side, you basically just have Eli Apple, who's going to be coming back on a one-year $4 million contract. So the, the secondary as a whole, I think down the line is we're gonna, where a lot of their problems are going to start arising. And if you look at some of these other AFC teams, I mean, they're all built to pass the ball and throw downfield. And you're going to have to have a secondary to stop. Uh, so – you know, I think that's kind of where they're going to have to focus. And I really think you're going to see the Bengals start, um, you know, drafting towards the secondary, especially in the first round. Now that they, you know, don't have to focus on the offensive line, they've got to, they've kind of figured that out for the most part. Um, and, you know, maybe they can go Kair Elam uh, from Florida or uh, a guy like uh, Kyler Gordon from Washington or something like that. So uh, we'll see. But I think the, the secondary is going to kind of be their focus moving forward if they kind of solidify that room. So I think we can both agree that when you do an analysis of the Cincinnati Bengals roster that made the Super Bowl, um, the offense, the offensive side of the ball was the side that was kind of more focused on in the draft uh, with uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And the defense was kind of the, uh, the free agency component of, of, yep. of, of the team. So I feel like, it's kind of flipped this year mm -hmm. where they've brought in a lot of free agent. Like obviously the need is the offensive line and we've all been saying, okay, well the Bengals are going to take an offensive lineman in the draft, but they've kind of solidified that need in free agency by, you know, bringing in Lyle Collins from Dallas and bringing in Alex Capper from Tampa. Um, so I feel like they would, it would be smart for them to kind of flip that script and, you know, kind of, go more defense heavy in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. What, one thing that the Bengals do a lot is when they fix position groups, they fix it with all free agents or all draft players, you know, going back towards what you said about the offense, you know, the wide receiver group, they drafted Jamar chase. And then the year before that they drafted T Higgins. And then three years before that they drafted Tyler Boyd. That's your whole wide receiver room. In terms of the running back, they fixed that with drafting Joe Mixon and then also drafting, uh, uh, Chris Evans from Michigan. Uh, and then, you know, in their linebacking group, they used to have a big problem with linebackers. They fixed that by in a draft taking Jermaine Pratt, then turning around the next year and taking Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither. Um, and then outside of that, when you talk about free agents on defense, the line was a problem. So they got DJ reader and Trey Hendrickson in free agency to kind of fix that. So usually when they look at a position group, if you start seeing them do stuff, uh, if they start committing to free agents in a group, that's usually where they're going to finish. And then if they don't address it, then they'll usually address a different position in the draft. Um, so they haven't touched cornerbacks basically at all or safeties or the secondary. Um, and I think that's where they're going to go in the draft because they haven't touched it at all. So um, that's kind of a trend you'll see with the Bengals. They like to kind of pick and choose which position group they're going to fix next. Um, and um you know, I think I think it's going to be the secondary for them in this draft. 
Yeah, I definitely think uh, grabbing some, grabbing and stashing some cornerbacks would be smart for them. Um, I'm looking to see what guy might kind of be uh, in their in their range. Uh, Dax, Dax Hill from Michigan could be an option for them. Yeah. Um, Lewis Lewis Seen could be an option. Kyler Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, back from Washington. Uh, I kind of, I kind of like, uh, you know, focusing on the secondary and, uh, or honestly, like best player available, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Like, if you could get uh, a defensive tackle, defensive end at thirty-one, I think, I think that's a pretty good option for you as well. Yeah, um, you know, they lost, um, they lost Larry Obenjobi, uh, re-signed B.J. Hill. Um, on the defensive line. So they did lose a, a key player in their, uh, in their interior for their defensive line. So I, I could see them targeting something there. Um, they're also getting Joseph Osai, who was the edge rusher from Texas, who tore his ACL last fall. He comes back. So that could be a boost okay. as well. Um, so I guess we'll, you know, it's kind of a wait and see mode. I like the cornerback play a lot. You know, if Kyrie Elam is there, uh, if Andrew Booth is there, I'd love that. Um, Kyler Gordon as well, like you said, we mentioned him a couple times. Uh, and then the the one that I've kind of been looking at too, because sometimes I like going a little deeper, you know, looking at sort of the second, third round cornerbacks that might be available that, you know, a lot of teams will reach in the first, at the end of the first round to take a guy they really like. Um, so Roger, McCle- Roger McCleary uh, is a cornerback from Auburn. I think he plays great. Uh, a lot of people, especially PFF folks, think he's a first round player. I agree with that. Um, the only knock on him is his arm length. He's, he's kind of like a T-Rex, got really short arms. Um, but I think he could be a great player. He's, his tape speaks well for itself. So um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I think the Bengals really need to set themselves up right now for the future. You know, this big arms race happening in the AFC isn't going to last forever. This is kind of a win-now move from a lot of teams. And they need to set themselves up well in contract situations uh, for down the line when they have to pay uh, Joe Burrow and T Higgins and Jamar Chase. It's going to be a big three years of contracts rolling out for them. How would you feel if the Bengals' first pick was David Ojabo? I wouldn't do mind feel, it. Do you feel like they're? Do you feel like they're a team that could afford to use their first round pick on a guy who's injured? Because uh, uh, I kind of, I kind of like yeah. that that mindset for the Bengals of like, okay, like. This isn't an area of need, but this is clearly he's like he could be a very good player if he comes back healthy and getting him here is a bargain. Yeah, I I think so. I think the only problem I have with it, though, is just in recent years, teams that have been that have picked at the end of the first round with that same sort of mentality of like, oh, our, our roster is fine. We made it this far. You know, we can be aggressive and, and take and take these luxury picks. A lot of the times it bites them in the ass and like. The one that I think about the most is like Clyde going to the, the Chiefs. Um, yeah. And that was just such a luxury pick. Like they didn't need to take running back, but they were like, ah, Clyde's great. He just had an awesome season. You know, who cares? We can just take this and, and you know, and, and, and help a position that we don't really need help in. Um, and, you know, the Bengals, they don't absolutely need help on the edge. I think it would be a luxury if they had it. But I do think, uh, you know, if you draft a player like that, and there are cornerbacks on the board that could help you and the secondary struggles. I think that could be a point, you know, you look back on and you're like, I don't think that really went the way we wanted it to go. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I got one more question about the Bengals. Do you, do you feel like looking across at the AFC North 
can you confidently say that the Bengals have the best receiving core in the in the in the division in the AFC North? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think they have the best receiving core. Now, do I think they have the deepest room? No. Uh, I, th- I think the Bengals have the best one, two, three, maybe even the best one, two, three in the entire NFL. Um, but outside of their one, two, three, they are, they're, they're not looking very good. Um, so I think, you know, one thing you'll hear a lot of Bengals analysts and fans talking about is that they should go wide receiver in like the third, fourth, maybe fifth round uh, to get some depth. They had Auden tape, but he just left to go to the Falcons in free agency. Um, okay. and, out, and outside of that, there's really nothing else. So, but I mean, in the, in just their T Higgins and Jamar chase, I don't think there's anybody in the AFC North that can compete. I do think in second place, I'd have to put the Steelers just because of, you know, Deontay Johnson and, um, blanking on clay, uh, chase Claypool. Claypool um, yeah. I think they have a solid room plus Pat Fryermuth is actually looks really good too. So, yeah. you know, they could be solid on the line, but at the same time, you need somebody to throw them the ball. So. Yeah, let's let's jump to the Steelers then if we're talking about receivers. Um, yep. The big question that I have about the Steelers is, you know, what does a post Big Ben Steelers team look like? And I guess as the roster looks right now, and this could change based on the draft, can can you rely on Mitch Trubisky to return to a playoff caliber state? I feel I feel like yeah, the situation that Trubisky was in, in Chicago, he was kind of doomed to fail, and obviously, like he served years back up in Buffalo. We don't know how good he could be, but I do feel like this is a really good opportunity for him because I do feel like he's shown he did show a lot of good things in Chicago. Yeah, he is. He has flashed at times with some good throws and some good play here and there. Um, I think the Steelers are kind of a similar. Um, organization and and team than the that the bears were uh because the steelers offensive line is not very good but their defense is outstanding so you know i i feel like the thought process for trubisky is going to be like you know just don't lose the game like do enough to where you're not losing the game and you know your defense and the and and everything around you can kind of carry you and carry the team um a lot of steelers fans were actually happy with the trubisky signing because it's kind of like a bridge they don't have to go quarterback now in the first round. They can focus on something else. Um, and really, if they focus on somewhere else, I think they could go wide receiver and kind of rival uh, the Bengals wide receiver core if they take someone like a Chris Olave or something else. But I do think Mitchell Trubisky can be a good player for the Steelers. It's just a matter of is it enough right now when so many other teams uh, are just so powerful in the AFC, especially in the AFC North. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of like that thought of you bringing in another receiver here, just because like obviously Deontay Johnson and Claypool are good, but neither of them strike me as that true number one option. Obviously, yeah. uh, Juju left; he's in Kansas City now, so obviously that's a talent that you lose. But I, I, I would kind of like adding another receiver here if it's not in the first round definitely you know in the second round I think the Steelers have proven that they are able to hit on lower uh later round receivers I mean they've gotten so like so many yeah I mean just uh, just between Deontay Johnson Chase Claypool and Juju I mean none of those players were taken in the first round Um, and before that you got Antonio Brown obviously and and Martavis Bryant too yep yep um, so, yeah, I could definitely see the Steelers going wide receiver. Um, it, they would be really scary with a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson or, um, 
you know, I could even see Traylon Burks or something like that. So I think yeah. they can go, I think now with Trubisky there, they can go a lot of different ways. Um, and this, the, where the Steelers are at right now really reminds me of where the Bengals were about four or five years ago when they drafted Joe Mixon and they, and they had like, they had Joe Mixon, they had Tyler Boyd, which was the receiver. They had an okay defense, but really it was just their key players on defense, like Jesse Bates. And over here, it's going to be Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, yep. So I feel like, you know, you got your players that you don't want to move. You, you have your Geno Atkins, who is your TJ Watt. Like you have your guys that are going to be there for the next, for the next wave. And it's about now, you know, weathering the storm and then, and then drafting well. So I think, you know, I think now with Trubisky there, they can go, they can go wherever they want to go. Um, I do think that the offensive line needs to be uh, needs to be much better than it is right now. They signed James Daniels from, from the bears, but um, I don't really think he moves the needle too much. So I, I, I would like to see them, you know, go for, um, you know, adding something in the offensive line, but we'll see. I think their defense is going to be top tier next year though. for hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. The, the other um, positions that I was interested about for them were cornerback and defensive tackle. Um, and I think those would both kind of depend on how the draft goes. I think if somebody falls to them, if uh, a Jordan Davis falls to them, or if somehow a guy like Sauce Gardner were to fall, I think uh, grabbing guys like that would be really good because obviously Cam Hayward isn't getting any younger. Mm-hmm. Neither, is, neither is Stephon to it. Um, the linebacking core is really solid, I think. You've got uh, obviously TJ Watt and Devin Bush, but they brought in Miles Jack from Jacksonville, which is a, I think this is a really strong pickup. Um, and then I, I'd say the linebacking core is, is the most solid of the defensive components. And then after that, I feel like like Fitzpatrick is fine in defensive backfield. I wouldn't mind a look at cornerback too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really other than, other than him, you have Cameron Sutton and that's pretty much it. Um, You know, a name that, that could be in the Steelers playbook uh, could be Trent McDuffie from Washington. He's kind of been up and down boards in the first round, um, but he's a five eleven cornerback and he hits really hard. And I think he'd fit right in, in Pittsburgh. Um, Mm -hmm. So I could see, I could see them going there, but that's, it's the thing about the Steelers right now is it's like, we can have this conversation about, where we go in the draft. And that's not something that they could have had, you know, two or three months ago before they had a quarterback figured out. So, um, yeah. you know, now they put themselves in a good spot. I do think, you know, the miles Jack Devin Bush thing is going to be really interesting. That could be a really good, um, a really good linebacking pairing. Those guys yeah. haven't played well in recent years, but they definitely have it still and they're still young. So um, they can turn around and play really well. So um It'll be interesting for the Steelers, but it's going to be a tough division um, all around them. They've got, they've got superstar talent that they're going to be facing on offense. Yeah. I think, I think um, like you said, Pat Fryermuth is a really talented tight end. I think he could be poised for a breakout year. And obviously we're forgetting to talk about Najee Harris. Like, yeah. Cornerstone. I think he, he's absolutely a cornerstone, but also, you know, for a bridge quarterback like Trubisky, I think Najee is going to have a sensational year. Um, Either, either he has a sensational year or he gets hurt early because he's being relied on too much and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. But 
I'm the Steelers are obviously in the market for a quarterback, but this franchise doesn't strike me as being trigger happy on any of these guys in the draft. I no. feel like I feel like the Steelers, if they, if, you know, I honestly no, I, I'd say if the Steelers have a guy they like, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded up to like two. We were just talking about the Lions and how they're uh, uh, possibly shopping the number two overall pick. Um, I don't like either the Steelers have a guy where they're like, yup, or they should just pass because they don't really strike me as a team that is going to sit at, at 20 and take Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett. And honestly, like, I don't like any of these quarterback fits for them. Yeah. I feel like they've got to fall in love, like with a prospect, like how mm-hmm. the chiefs fell in love with Mahomes and the bills fell in love with, Josh Allen and one of those guys might be in the draft. So I, I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers traded up, but I think they should just. Yeah. I mean, draft. if there's, if there's anybody, it's going to be either Kenny Pickett or uh, Malik Willis. Uh, but I think both of those guys are going to go sooner than where the pits, where the Steelers are drafting. And like you said, they might move up, but the Steelers are like notorious for like never trading up. Um, they've done it a couple times, but it's been rare. So I don't, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Um, was talking with a longtime Steelers fan who was from Steel, from like actually from Pittsburgh. Uh, and she said that, you know, Pittsburgh quarterbacks can't be bigger than the team. And she, sure. just, she knew that like, they would never get Watson. They would never get Rogers because like, like the Steelers are the team. It's never a player is bigger than the Steelers. It's always about the team. Um, and I think fit matters more than anything else for the Steelers. So I think they're going to be really, really picky uh, with like who their next franchise quarterback is. Um, and, you know, whether it's in this draft, next draft, or maybe a free agent down the line, I think, I think it'll be someone who we're not really, uh, not really paying attention to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, do you, are you, are you happy with our Steelers discussion, Mr. Bengals fan? Yeah, well, you know, they're going to be facing the Browns twice a year. So let's go over to the AFC, to the Browns and, and talk about them real quick. Um, you know, huge news coming from the NFL during our during our two week hiatus. Uh, Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Cleveland Browns and he's getting a new five year, two hundred and eighty million dollar guaranteed deal, which now makes him the highest guaranteed paid player in NFL history. Uh, which is absolutely mind blowing considering he still has uh, civil cases to battle. So um, what are your initial thoughts with this team? Yeah. So I think the big question for Cleveland besides WTF, of course, is how open is this window for contention? I feel like when the Browns made the playoffs two years ago now, and they had that upset against the Steelers. And obviously, they lost to the Chiefs because the Chiefs were a more talented team and at a different point in their window. I think uh, Browns fans are really optimistic, and they're like, yep, this window's opening, kind of like where the Bengals are at right now. Mm-hmm. And I think through the course of – I think the bank – first of all, side note, the Bengals need to avoid whatever the hell happened in Cleveland this year in terms of, like, the window, expectations, all that. Yep. As long as the bank, even if the Bengals don't go back to the Super Bowl this year, as long as they don't do what the Browns did, 
next year, this upcoming year, I think yeah, they're fine. Which is basically, but, uh, you know, keeping Joe Burrow healthy and him not regressing. Exactly. Um, so I guess it's just like that, you know, this Deshaun Watson thing, it, it obviously I don't like it for every reason why most people don't like it. But I feel like Cleveland picked him up because he's that unknown quantity rather than the known low ceiling quantity that is Baker Mayfield, or at least was Baker Mayfield in this offense last year. And I don't really know how I feel about that. I am a lot more confident in the Denver Broncos bringing in Russell Wilson than I am the Browns bringing in Deshaun Watson because, you know, the last time we saw Deshaun Watson on a football field, he was good. We considered him to be one of the better quarterbacks in the AFC, but it's it's been a while, and a lot has happened since then. It'll, in the AFC, in the NFL, is a lot different. And yeah. I just I, – I don't really feel like this is a window opening or prolonging the window move. I just kind of feel like it's – a I, 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 I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. I I'm, I'm on the same boat. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson really quick, because I think, you know, the general consensus from the media and fans is that he's a superstar player. That's going to come in and in, immediately elevate this team to a new level. Um, and, and like you said, you know, it's been a while since he's played, um, his rookie year back in 2017, he had a 68.1 PFF grade. And over the course of his first four years, that grade rose every single season, reaching a 92.5, which was best for third in the league in 2020. Um, now, if he continues this trajectory of play, um, yeah, no question, like he's going to be an absolute all-star with the Browns. They have Super Bowl aspirations around them right now. The roster looks great. Cool. No problems. Um but we're banking on basically a player, like you said, that we haven't seen in a while, also maintaining that high level of play. And we've also seen him like not have that high level of play before. Like we've seen him struggle at times, um, even when he was with the Texans, like they struggled heavily. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that was for, you know, different reasons with the team and the organization, Bill O'Brien, different problems. But at the end of the day, still like they didn't really do a whole lot when he was there either. So it's hard to kind of project where this Browns team is going to be, but I think we should focus on, you know, the rest of the roster and, you know, where they're moving in the future. Um, do you think that this roster as a whole is set up for the long haul, or do you think, you know, this, this is going to be here for a little bit, but then, you know, that, that big Deshaun Watson contract and the lack of picks is going to cripple them in, in a year or two down the road. I think the lack of picks is definitely a concern, obviously, because we're, we're an NFL draft for folks on the draft. And like, we can't really talk about the Browns in the context of the draft because they've given up so many assets. Their first pick is at 44. Um, I really feel like last year was the year for the Browns. Not, not saying that this year couldn't have been, but it fell apart so quickly for the Browns. I feel like, the core that they had in 2020 was was that Super Bowl team. That was when obviously Odo Beckham was hurt uh, during the 2020 season, but he came back. And I feel like if this team would have gotten out to a hot start, you don't have the drama with Baker and Odell. 
you keep and I feel like that was kind of the storyline that dictated the season and obviously Baker's problems as a whole. I feel like if Baker is I, I, I feel like, you know, they could have won a they could have won a Super Bowl or gotten to gotten far in the playoffs with the roster last year. And I think that the moves that they've made thank I mean, thank God the running game is still intact because that was I mean like we watched that the second uh, Browns Bengals game where the Browns just completely took over that game uh, where Nick, Nick Chubb completely took over that game um, and the defense too. Like that is what this Cleveland team can be. And yeah. it's, it's those aspects of the team the running game and the defense both stepping up to like come out to come out on top. And Obviously, the way that the NFL is, you you say goodbye to players, you bring in players. But I think that you know a lot a lot fell on Baker when this team was losing last year. If this team starts losing with Deshaun, with all the extra drama going on, that's going to be tough. It's going to get that is going to be tough and toxic. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, you know, talking about the defense, though, this team is absolutely loaded on defense at every position. Mm -hmm. Miles Garrett might be, if not the best edge rusher in the NFL right now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Jeremiah Wusukormor looks like an absolute monster at linebacker, and it was just his rookie season last year. He's only Mm going to get better. Uh, And then in the secondary, Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward are an absolute fantastic pairing, uh, and they're going to be around for a very long time. So, you know, they are set up on defense. Um, they're going to be set up on offense. I think outside of Amari Cooper and um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think the receiving room kind of struggles, but they do have David Njoku at tight end, and he is uh, he's a good receiving threat. So, um, you know, combine that with a top-tier offensive line, and, uh, you know, it's this team, if they start firing on all cylinders and Deshaun Watson re- returns to the level of play that we – think that he can play at um they're gonna be a scary team and it's just a matter of can they win it all can they win the big games because you know it's all fine and dandy if you're spending this type of money and you're winning but even if you're not winning big games if you're not winning in the playoffs uh it can get bad very quickly teams can get very frustrated management can get very frustrated and um i mean the media is going to be all eyes on the browns Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jarvis Landry could come back. He's hasn't made a free agency decision yet, so he could come back. Um, but I think you're kind of banking on a really big year from uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah. He's, I think he's shown enough. I think this is where you, you've got to put a lot on him because I think he's got to take a step up um, in this offense. Um, they brought in Jakeem Grant from Chicago, who's made a couple other stops in the NFL. Uh, I really like it. Yeah, really good gadget guy. He uh, absolutely went off in a game uh, versus the Packers this past year. Uh, Really explosive threat in the return game. So I like that pickup. And then, like you said, the Browns have made some great draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. Like, and I feel, I feel like, I feel like. I feel like we might judge NFL defenses based on how many guys we know from college. And this is a great one. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got 
Sion Taki Taki from BYU, Grant Delpit, uh, Richard LeCun, which would both uh, SEC. Greedy Williams. Um, yeah, Greedy Williams in there too. Like a lot of guys that we know and recognize. Chase Winovich has been added to the Browns, a uh, move that I'm obligated to like. Um, Tack McKinley's on this team. We've got obviously Jadavion Clowney, Denzel Ward, Ronnie Harrison from Tulane. Um, it's just, I think it's really loaded. And But I do think yeah. we should focus on the defensive side of the ball because if the Deshaun Watson thing doesn't work out, the offense isn't really going to work out. And if the Deshaun thing doesn't work out, I think you want to kind of protect your running game assets and maybe just stash those for, uh, for uh, another year. So mm-hmm. I think they've done, I think they've done enough on the offensive side of the ball and free agency bringing in Amari Cooper could keep up, uh, could keep Jarvis around. I would just, I'd focus on the defense in this draft because that's what has uh, what sustained this uh, team. Yeah, um, the only problems I have with this uh, with this defense is their interior defensive line. They actually only have three interior defensive linemen on the uh, on the roster right now that have played significant snaps. Uh, that's Jordan Elliott, Taven Bryan, and Tommy Tobai. Um, Tommy Togai, I think it's how you pronounce it. Oh um, yeah, from Ohio State. He, I think he was the one that put up a ridiculous amount of bench press last year. Um, but. I think that area needs to be better, um, especially when facing the Steelers who have Najee. They're going to be running the ball. The, the Bengals have now shifted their offensive line, and they are going to be focusing on running the ball with Joe Mixon and also, uh, you know, the high-powered running attack of the Ravens, who are, we're going to talk about in a second, but they're also getting back J.K. Dobbins, and they're going to be running the ball. So you definitely need to bolster that interior defensive line, um, and that's somewhere I could see them going, but they don't have a first-round pick anymore. Um, so that could be an area where they could go in the second round and kind of attack that. I'm actually not sure if they have a second round pick this year. I'm, but I yeah, have to they, double check. They, yeah, they do. It's it's their first picks at 44. Okay, okay, then they do. So maybe maybe go defensive line there or somewhere else. We'll see. But um, yeah, and that's, I think that's it's a, a, it's going to be a big wait and see moment for the Browns. I think this is the most media attention uh, that they're probably ever going to get is going to be this year. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, you know, the Browns have the roster that they do right now because they accumulated a lot of draft picks. Mm-hmm. And they, they have been – they've obviously been a joke for so long, and the last few years they've really built this thing right through the draft. And it would be really ironic if they gave up all these draft picks to Houston and Houston ends up winning this trade. The long haul in, in the long haul by accumulating all those draft picks. And so yeah. I, I think that's, that's an interesting consideration in all this. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to look back on this draft and like, I mean, not this draft, this trade in like literally probably 10 years down the line and, and assess it based yeah. on who won a Super Bowl. Like did yep. the Browns win a Super Bowl after this trade? I mean, they went all in, they had the roster. Did they win or did they not? And if they don't, that's a hard conversation to have. And if they do, then like you win the trade, everything works out. Like you did what you're supposed to do, but this isn't like, this isn't a trade where in most teams where it's like, we're going to fix this position. You know, we're going to get a little better. We're building for success. This is a, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Like this is a Super Bowl building trade. And if it doesn't happen, then it would be looked at as a fail. Yeah. Um, The last thing I'll say about, you know, the whole Deshaun Watson thing, like, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not happy with it. 
But at the end of the day, I guess good for Cleveland that they could actually attract a big name person, a, a, a big name player in the trade market. Yeah. I think it's going to be like, unlike Cleveland. Yeah. I think it's going to be really fun next year. Um, you know, the Bengals and Browns have long time been some of the smallest franchises in the NFL, um, you know, kind of the armpit of the NFL, if you so say. Um, and they're going to be basically the most electrifying matchup in the NFL next year. You're probably going to see both uh, both Bengals Browns games that are going to be on prime time, probably one on Sunday night, one on Monday night. And they're going to be huge matchups. I mean, Deshaun yep. and Joe Burrow going back and forth. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. So um, good for the good for the state of Ohio if both of these teams are on top. Yeah, agreed. So let's shift over to the Ravens. You know, we've talked about all three AFC North teams and kind of the forgotten team of the AFC North right now is the Ravens. Um, that's, just, ab- that's absolutely what I think as well. Yeah. I mean, do, it, we talk about everything going on and it's, you know, you just completely forget about Lamar Jackson and everything that they have going on over in Baltimore. Um, you know, the, uh, the talk last off season and the off season before that is, wow, the front office for the Ravens is doing such a great job putting this team together. They're doing all the right things. They're trading for great players. They're drafting great players. Uh, they're, they're, you know, great signings, everything all around look absolutely perfect. And then they didn't make the playoffs last year and everybody has now forgotten about the Ravens. Yeah. Is, yeah I think- my big question, you know, you have yours on here, but my big question too, is like, it was the Ravens problem, just their, just their injury concerns. You know, if they get everybody back healthy, are they going to, you know, return to the form that we thought they were? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's my, my question is, you know, it, can this team even keep pace in their own division? And I think that they can, Yeah. because right now all of the focus is on Cincinnati. It's on Cleveland to some extent it's on Pittsburgh because those teams are all making like all they're all making pretty big moves in the case of the Browns and the, and the Steelers. And then the Bengals have the target on their backs of going to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I think that this obvious, honestly, I think the Ravens are one of the most dangerous teams in the AFC because they're going to be under the radar, you know, because they missed the playoffs. I don't think people are going to be talking about them. And I think that people are going to forget, that this team was really unhealthy going into the start of last season. You know, they made a good run. They won some big games. That early season win against Kansas City was honestly one of the more fun games of the whole uh, season. They also lost a couple of games on two-point conversions. So that's that's a, that's another consideration. But, you know, you get back Gus Edwards, you get back J.K. Dobbins, you get back Marcus Peters. Those are all starters. Jimmy Smith missed some significant time too. Yeah. Marlon, Marlon Humphrey missed a lot of time too. Yeah. And I like, I was thinking about this when I was looking at this team. I honestly might pick Baltimore to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. I wouldn't Next even, year. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they, I think they had one of the most underrated signings in free agency, picking up Marcus Williams from the Saints, the safety yeah. who, you know, is notorious for that, you know, play against the saints, but a lot of people don't, you know, don't know that he's also one of the best safeties in the, in the league. So I think that was a great pickup for them. Um, They're going to be back. And, you know, by virtue of finishing, what was it? Third in the division. 
Um, they they got some pretty easy matchups given to them because of the way NFL scheduling works. And I could easily mm-hmm. see them kind of sliding into the playoffs. Nobody's yep. really talking about them and um, and they're and they're playing well. So it's going to be a big bounce back year uh, for the Ravens. They're going to be competitive. Um, and I think they're in a great position too with their draft, with their, uh, with their draft pick being at 14. I think they're going to get a really good player that might slip to them. Um, and uh, it's going to set themselves up. Well, it kind of reminds me of when, you know, the 49ers had that down year uh, where they ended up yep. picking two, I think it was and taking, uh, taking Bosa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously they're not that high, you know, picking at 14, but still like yeah. they're, they, they would never pick at 14. Um unless injuries like they had happened. So now they get a chance to, you know, capitalize on that bad play with a great player, add it to the mix, come back healthy, and then, you know, see where they can end up. Um, But I think it's going to be a big year for Lamar Jackson too. Like, I think this is really kind of a make or break year for him because, you know, he's had the MVP season. He's had Mm -hmm. all the hype. He's been a Madden cover player. um, And and now it's going to be about, you know, putting it together in the playoffs. And, you know, he's going to have to do it. I think that Rashad Bateman is going to have to take a step up this year. Yep. And I think that the re the reintroduction of J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, maybe they get another guy in the draft. I think they should. Um, I think having a more active, established running game is really going to help Lamar. And I'm really. I, I'm really excited to see what this running attack looks like um, this season. And I think uh, I think the Ravens really, as long as Lamar is there, I think their championship window is open. Unless he really tails off, I am really confident in this organization. And uh, as long as he's there to be able to compete. Yeah. Uh, the only, you know, the thing about Lamar is his, uh, you know, if everybody talks about his wear and tear, cause he's, you know, running quarterback, whatever, he's only 25. He's actually younger than Joe Burrow. Um, so he's going to be around for, for some time. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, 28 and he's kind of reaching the end of his peak sort of like Cam Newton was towards the end of his last couple of years with the Panthers. I mean, he's got a lot of time left, so it's going to be interesting to see this Ravens team. I really want to see their passing attack kind of, kind of grow because I think that's kind of been their downfall um, is their lack of their, their lack of the ability to throw the ball downfield. Um, you know, really yeah. it's just been a Mark Andrews show and, and that's really, yeah. I mean, nobody else can, you know, sort of step up. So um, we'll see where they go, but, you know, just like you said, Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, those are the guys that are going to have to, you know, carry them. And maybe they, maybe they snag a player in the draft, like a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave or, a, um, yeah. you know, a Drake London or, um, you know, maybe even a Jamison Williams, just somebody who can stretch the field and, you know, yeah. create space. Like, I think that would be huge for their offense. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I know that you put the Steelers second in your wide receiver core rankings. I kind of, I kind of like Baltimore's more because of the depth. I feel like they have a lot of different guys that can go off in a given game. I like I like uh, Hollywood Brown, Devin Duvernay, Tylen Wallace are both guys that are um, younger guys that could take off. Uh, Sammy Watkins is, is still in the league on this team. I, I kind of like this core a little more, but I do think adding another guy 
would be the best. Like we say, every team needs a Debo Samuel type guy. I think this is a team that could use a gadget guy like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Lamar in himself is a gadget guy, and and uh, you know, you add you add more gadget guys to your mix, and your offense becomes very difficult to stop because it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out where the ball is going to go. Um, so. I think I think it's going to be a, a tough year in the AFC North, um, and we're going to get around to the rest of the AFC. You know, talking about the West um, and the East, and of course the South, which is the worst. But um, you know, especially the West, when we talk about them, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams, a lot of really good teams with losses next year because I mean, not every team can win every game. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a tough race in the AFC, and. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there are going to be some really good teams that might miss the playoffs. Yeah. And I do think, like you said, the schedule really breaks good for Baltimore. I mean, they play the Jags, they play the Giants, they play the Jets, they play the Panthers, the Falcons. Like, those are the types of, like, inter, inter-conference are, yeah. games that they get. And I mm-hmm. think those are that, – that helps. Yep. That's the exact the exact place you want to be. You win all those games and you break 500 in your conference, and you might find yourself in the playoffs at nine and eight, or you know, ten and seven. So yeah, you know they lost. Be- they, they lost uh, offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman to the Panthers. So I, I think like closing closing the loop on Baltimore. I think getting some beef on the O line should be a priority. Tyler yep. Lindenbaum from, from Iowa could be could be there at 14 for them, but also the Ravens have made some really good defensive picks as well, especially the last few years with Patrick Queen and Odafi Oye, um, both really talented starters. So they can keep that trend going, but I, I think uh, offensive line should be the play here. Yeah. I do want to say Patrick Queen has graded out like shit, but he's probably a really good player and he's going to be fine. Um, his PFF grades are really funny. They're just extremely red. Um, he'll be back though. He's, he's a good player. Um, yeah, I think one player I do want to talk about towards the end of this, uh, their offensive line, specifically their tackles. They have, they just signed Morgan Moses on a really good deal for three years. Um, he's a plug and play tackle. And then the other tackle on their team, uh, Ronnie Stanley. I I feel like everybody forgot about Ronnie Stanley. Like he was coming up as, as like one of the best tackles in the league, had a great year in 2019, finishing as the second best PFF tackle, uh, in terms of his grade. And since then he had an okay 2020 and then he got hurt this past year after like one game and was out for the season, uh, which is another big blow. So I think potentially getting him back and back to his his form could, you know, add a lot to this team. Uh, I think they drafted Ben Cleveland, a guard last year too. He played okay and he could get better as well. Kevin Zeitler is a good offensive lineman. Um, so I think their offensive line is kind of up in the air, but if you get some of these players playing to their peak play, I think it could be pretty good. Yeah. Watch the, uh, watch the Steelers trade up to number two once we uh, publish this. Oh, they probably will. Knowing, knowing our luck so far, a hundred percent probably will. <laughs> but do you got anything else in the AFC North? No, I'm uh, really excited to see how this division plays out uh, just because I feel like I've got, always that the AFC the AFC North guru in my ear with uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saturated in it, man. Cause I got my, my best, my, my best friend from my hometown is like diehard Steelers fan. So he's always giving me the Steelers, you know, Kool-Aid 
you know, yeah. hype, hype on the Trubisky train. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, I just get all the Ravens shit on you know, Ravens and Brown shit on, you know, uh, on Twitter and stuff. Cause they're always beefing with Bengals fans. It's funny, but you know, yeah. I, I really want to take a moment to just kind of, um, you know, appreciate the state of the AFC North right now. And like what we think these yeah. games are going to be, because, you know, just like the Raven, just like the Ravens got decimated with injuries. Hopefully none of these teams get screwed with injuries and like it just messes up everything, but like these matchups look so good on paper. And I really hope we get a full season of them. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a shout out to uh, Buffalo getting new yes, stadium. New stadium in Buffalo. And then we got to end it off with our Detroit, our Detroit boys. Yeah. Tell 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 the people uh, you know 20, what's going on with Detroit. What's happening 20, with Detroit? Big week. 2024 is on the clock for the NFL draft. Um Detroit's gonna be hosting the draft. Super excited. That's not the only thing, too. They're getting hard knocks this summer. So oh, get, I, I don't watch Hard Knocks, so it it's okay. Really that's going to be also great for the city of Detroit because it's going to give you know a great four hours of screen time for Dan Campbell, and he's going to be yes. a household name, a favorite <laughs> to everyone. Dan Campbell is going to be an absolute superstar in the NFL before he even has his first game in the fall. Um, I know there's going to be some great one-liners. That's going to be awesome. So Detroit is back. They just yeah. need to have. I just hope. I just. Awesome I just hope. Draft. I just hope he's still around to announce picks in Detroit because everybody's going to go nuts for that. Yes, 100%. I really hope so. Uh, the draft in Detroit would be really cool happening in 2024 because I feel like that would be around the time where the, where the, you know, the Lions are really starting to put stuff together. Uh, and that might be their, that might be their, like, the, you know, their Jamar Chase draft could happen in, yeah. in Detroit. So, you know, hey. It's coming up yeah. soon. Also, yeah. shout out the NFL for you know having having the draft in these in these smaller markets like like Cleveland and now uh, now now Detroit. Um, yeah, that's cool to see. So, and I'm glad they fixed those overtime rules at least for the playoffs. I think that's going to be. I I'm I'm glad they just changed it for the playoffs because I don't think a full scale overtime change throughout the whole season. Do you do you think it's really going to do anything though? Because like now, if a quarterback goes down, scores a touchdown, the other one comes back down, scores a touchdown, then then we're back to square one of overtime. And well, yeah, well, if 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 they can continue the the out dueling, or if if it's, I don't I don't know. I I would hope that in the in the playoff overtime, it's not a case of the Bengals Packers game where everybody keeps missing field goals. It's we want to win this game. It's going to be higher stakes. It's going to be competitive in a way that regular season overtimes are not. And hopefully mm-hmm. it just, it's the best way to resolve it. And if not, they can change it again. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Uh, nope. You had good. Good. Nope. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully get back on a, on a better cadence till then peace out.